Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Edelson. And today we are both very excited to be talking to you about the, I don't even know how to describe this crazy film, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Inherent Vice. If it's a quiet night out at the beach and your ex-old lady suddenly out of nowhere shows up with a story about her current billionaire land developer boyfriend and his wife and her boyfriend and a plot to kidnap the billionaire and throw him in a loony bin. I need your help, Doc. Maybe you should just look the other way. But if you're Doc, it may all start to get a little peculiar after that. Michael Z. Wolfman. And Mickey Wolfman. And Mickey Wolfman. Has vanished. So wh where would I uh, find him? He's technically Jewish, but wants to be a Nazi. And a girl don't necessarily want to get into difficulties with those folks. Do you have a spare picture I could borrow? Ah! Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you're better off with the Nazis. Whoa. Are you all right? Am I? Are you? Ordinarily, we're the ones asking the questions. And your question is, which side am I on? Good question. Wrong answer. Choto, Kinichiro, Dozo, Moto Penekeku, Moto Penekeku, Moto Penekeku, Hai, Hai, Hai. Doc may not be a do-gooder, but he's done good. But I do know that I love you. And I know that if you love me too, what a wonderful world this would be. Good luck, Doc. What a wonderful world this would be. Coming just in time for Christmas. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. So this is a 2014 film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. And the synopsis from uh, Rotten Tomatoes is as such. In a California beach community, private detective Larry Doc Sportello, Joaquin Phoenix, tends to work his cases through a smoky haze of marijuana. One day, Shasta, a former lover, arrives out of the blue to plead for Doc's help. Shasta's current boyfriend, rich real estate tycoon Mickey Wolfman, has a wife who may be plotting to commit him to a mental hospital. When Mickey and Shasta both dis disappear, Doc navigates a psychedelic world of surfers, stoners, and cops to solve the case. And in addition to Joaquin Phoenix, you've got Josh Brolin, Owen Wilson, Catherine Waterston, Reese Witherspoon, Benicio Del Toro. Big cast. So, so this many was a people first, in this. This is a first time watch for you, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. All right. So what did you think? I mean, it's really well made. It is. Um, there's a sentence you just read in the synopsis there that I think puts its finger right on it. It's a trippy, hazy, psychedelic 70s. You know what I thought? I mean, we just watched uh, L.A. Confidential. It's it's a little bit like if L.A. Confidential and the Big Lebowski had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Because 
I, there was a number of times throughout where I couldn't decide if this movie wanted to be a comedy. Like there's a lot of funny deliberately in it. Martin Short is in it, you know. He has I a mean, great cameo. So there's a bunch of sort of stoner like funny things happen where Joaquin Phoenix's character is literally like um uh you know kind of what just happened moments and and it's he's not he and we are not entirely clear several times whether he's hallucinating something mm -hmm. or if that really happened right so you know the in the film i think plays with that a lot so and it's a long movie it's really Two and a half long hours, yeah and it it feels even longer i think because it's sort of the pacing is sort of that's part of the 70s homage is like hey movies didn't used to break their necks to get there so i enjoyed it but it was a weird meandering walk through you know so you recommended this one what mm -hmm. um yeah, what I had, made you think I, this would be good to talk about i had seen this before uh when it first came out so and i i didn't remember a lot of of it um it's so it's based on a book by thomas penchant i don't know if that's how you pronounce the name or not which oh, i've not sure. read the book but people say the book is really fantastic. And I guess some of the, the dialogue they lifted directly from the book. Um, to me, it's definitely a comedy. I mean, there's, I laughed out loud throughout it. There's just a lot of, this is, I guess this is kind of a sweet spot for me because I love, um, you know, we did, they cloned Tyrone a few weeks ago and that's that same kind of thing, really witty dialogue. And uh, there's a there's a few, I noted a few little lines in here that I thought were were really funny. Um, uh, well, this isn't really funny, but this is directly from the book. There's a part where the the ex girlfriend um, Shasta has come to see him to to say that she's in trouble. And there's a girl who narrates the movie, and we'll we can talk about her in a bit. Um, but she she says so Shasta starts crying and then and the narrator says back when they were together she could go weeks without anything more complicated than a pout. Now she was laying a heavy combination of face ingredients on Doc. So it's just this, you know, kind of clever dialogue to us. Uh there's a an Asian girl that says so you have um Josh Brolin in this very weird role as this kind of sadistic cop cop who obviously has some kind of mental issues and uh this asian girl this asian prostitute says of him that copper he's a warped cheetah plastic um there's another part where the the uh doc is trying to remember something and um uh the narrator says doc rooted through the city dump that was his memory uh the one of the characters a drug dealer in it is named leonard james loose meat who they call el drano <laughs> and then at the very end there's a scene where uh uh, so Josh Brolin's, uh, his nickname is Bigfoot and he goes and kicks in, uh, the door of doc and he's like, Hey man, you kicked my door in, you know, what's the deal? And he says, after a long and busy day of civil rights violations, I found myself in the neighborhood and decided to drop in. So there's just, there's just dialogue like that throughout all of the movie. So, I mean, this is very much a, a character, you know, piece i i guess it depends on how much you enjoy these characters i i really like i mean i 
especially like Joaquin Phoenix's character, but I, I like the characters throughout. Now, we've talked about this before with mysteries and detective things. I couldn't explain to you exactly what happens in this. The plot is really convoluted, and I don't know how you felt, but I was lost, basically, well, he, about it. I you agree. Know, but I get the know, gist of it, but... I didn't realize this was a Thomas Pynchon source material. That makes so much sense now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much you know about Pynchon's work. I haven't read any. I mean, I, I mean, I know a little bit about him, but have you read any of his books? Yeah. And, oh, okay. Uh, but obviously not so much that I recognize that this was one of his, but Gravity's Rainbow is something we studied in college. And mm-hmm. it's, um, that just makes so much sense. As soon as you said okay. that, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird and and deliberately kind of labyrinthine and mm-hmm. you get to the end of the book and you think simultaneously wow and what was that and what just happened and you know and it they it makes you laugh it makes you cry and you know it's it, it's just sort of almost at least Gravity's Rainbow, some of his other stuff, uh, it's deliberately not quantifiable. Mm-hmm. So that that makes a ton of sense. Um, how well this translated... So I didn't know anything about it coming mm-hmm. into it. And I, I honestly tend to prefer that most of the time, going into a movie completely unawares. Um. I think in this case, knowing this was Thomas Pynchon's source material would have calibrated me a little bit for Mm -hmm. it. I kept expecting this to sort of fit into a box sooner or later. And if I'd have just known that, I would have been like, oh, this will never fit into a box. As soon as it starts to slip into a box, it will deliberately change and then be funny or be obscure or be weird mm-hmm. um i you know it, the big picture is he gets sort of roped in and if this was a whodunit you'd have gotten to the center of the maze and there would have been a shootout and the characters mm-hmm. would have either lived or died and like with like with um la confidential but in this one he does kind of get close to the center of the maze but then it just kind of takes care of itself, right? Mm-hmm. It just sort of, everything kind of resolves itself. Um, there's some drugs that he ends up in possession of. You know, right about the point where you think things are going to get really nasty or dangerous, it just sort of evaporates. He just gets a call from a lawyer who turns out to be someone he knows, father. And he's like, well, I have a client would like that back. and you know, they're willing to pay you money for it. And, you know, so then he's talking with a lawyer and you think, oh, they're going to kill him. I mean, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't pay off the person who has your drugs, you off the person who has the, your drugs. But he's like, well, instead of money, maybe you could do me a solid. I got a friend who's like all tangled up in a bunch of things. And I really, he just wants out. A friend played by Owen Wilson in a good Owen role, Wilson. Hey, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. <laughs> just the, everything in this movie is very, you're like, what? What? Yeah. And then Martin Short shows up and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> Who has this? But then again, like it's the fact that this time in suspension, you're like, okay, even that element of it is true to the, so 
Um, you know, and, and he doesn't get hurt. And it just sort of big Lebowski's okay, man. All right, I'll see you later, man. <laughs> yeah. But I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. It's very sexy, actually. There's lots oh, of yeah. like seventies sexy moments in it that I think sort of feel true to, you know, everyone being on drugs and sort of being open to crazy new experiences and there's lots of drugs in it and lots of mm-hmm. mind you know, hallucination. And there is, I mean, there's not a lot of what you can pin down as actually hallucination. Trippy stuff happens where he's wondering, but it doesn't get into like weird camera effects and stuff. No, no, they don't do that. So it's not like a uh, fear and loathing in Las Vegas or something like that. But so you never... There's never any resolution with so there's this girl that you know he'll be riding around in the car. Yeah, who in his is car that? And she's yeah, you never and it's a you know it's a friend of him and the girlfriend and you keep thinking there's going to be something where you're going to get a flashback or something where she di- you presumably she's dead. I that's my guess. I don't know. But well, you never find out who she is. Yeah, I mean, and, and do we ever see her with him and anyone else? I mean, we see the two of them together driving there's around, a scene, but I wondered if, like, she's just a hallucination or in his mind. No, there's, she, my understanding is she she is or was a real person because there's the scene where it's him and Shasta and that girl and, they're, and, they're, and they have the Ouija board, oh, and the, the Ouija board right. tells them to call a phone number and they call it, like, to get drugs. So that girl is... You know, unless he imagined that, that girl was there and real um, at some point. But you never get any. I, I wonder if that's something that's in the book and they just cut it out or if it just know. it's never explained or what. Because you just keep waiting for, OK, here's the day when they were in a car accident and she died or or right. whatever, you know. Um, well, I if you said to me like, oh, are there. You know, if you were going to make a movie out of a Thomas Pynchon book, I I think many people would say that's very difficult. Like it's, mm. they're just, they're not slim volumes and they're pretty dense and they're kind of all over the place. And they don't, I mean, things happen in them, but in terms of a narrative through line, like you get to the end of it and you're like, what was that about? You know, I could tell you the people that were in it and things that happened. But so I think that that's a, to sit and make a film that, basically has a narrative arc is one of the challenges. And I'm, I'm sure that Anderson needed to make some, I mean, again, I haven't read, I haven't read the source material, but I, I'm <laughs> sure he had to use some devices like the narrator personifying the narrator and things like that. Yeah. He had to make some pinchin esque choices as a film director to make it make sense on screen. I'm guessing. I don't the- know. Are the are his his books that you've read? Would you recommend them? I mean, do you think they're worth reading? Oh, yeah. or are they too? Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I'd kind of like to read this book, considering I like. Yeah. I mean, I like the. I kind of would. I would too now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, um, it's not light reading. It's very mm-hmm. dense reading. Um, yeah. Um. Now, I would say with this, I, I there's a I haven't seen all of. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. Um, And he is, he's a little, I've talked a lot about Scorsese before on the show. And he's a little bit like Scorsese where some of the other movies are just so dark and violent, you know, and this is a lot more, this is a, you know, there's violence in this, but this is still a kind of a pretty lighthearted movie. You know, I mean, like 
Joaquin Phoenix is just seemingly this very nice guy. I mean, he's just kind of stoned all the time. And, and like you said, nothing too bad really happens to, I mean, people die, but you, it's like Martin Short dies in a trampoline accident. You know, it doesn't happen. You don't, it's supposedly like it's off screen, but. Um, but except for a scene at the towards the end where the bad guys get him and are, you know, it seems like he's going to get tortured. But even not a whole lot happens with except he gets away. And there's one violent scene where he kind of beats. I don't know if he beats the guy to death and right. shoots a guy. But other than that, it's not a real. Right. You know, it's it's not Scorsese esque where there's just like bursts of violence. You know, right. I would say it's the same thing with the sexiness. So the sex and the violence come up in this from time to time, and they're very visceral. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not an explicit movie, but there is some full nudity in it. And there, it's not a gory or explicitly violent movie, but there is some violence in it. And when those things appear in the film i think they're very affecting mm -hmm. like you just kind of go whoa um but not even like the coen brothers where it feels sort of um elevated or the violence in the coen brothers films has its own style it's quite graphic and quite shocking in its way yeah and in this it doesn't feel overstated the violence the guy gets shot a guy gets sort of hit in the head and you know when when the violence happens it does it doesn't some movies you watch and they are very they're trying to be very naturalistic about violence and and you're you're struck simultaneously by how banal it is and how different than that normally appears in movies and also how just disgusting mm -hmm. real violence is it's sort of sickening and you know this is a movie it's not making a statement but it's also not inflating the sex and violence in some way. And mm -hmm. I thought of that each time it came up, I was like, this is very deftly handled because it's clearly deliberate, but it's consistent with itself. Like the universe that this film creates is consistent with itself. And like with Thomas Pynchon's work, the, uh, the character, uh, the, um, the dentist, right? The uh, Martin Short character, <laughs> um, who is a total uh, heroin addict, <laughs> uh, and he finds out dies in a trampoline accident. True to Pynchon's work, it's like, from a noir perspective, you presume that he was killed and it was made to look like this. He broke his neck and made to look like an accident on a trampoline. But having spent a scene or two with Martin Short's character, you're kind of like, maybe he, it's, it's equally as plausible that he, yeah. did, he did have a tragic trampoline accident. So it leaves you in this realm of like, oh, well, I mean, without proof, I guess we'll never really know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So from that, I mean, did you ever see Licorice Pizza, which was... I have, that, I've not seen it yet, no. Is no. that his most recent? I know it's supposed recent. to be great. Yeah, it's his most recent, yeah. I think. Yeah. came out last year, I believe. But, but, but in terms of the violence and just sort of... It's nothing like There Will Be Blood. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh, it's nothing like... I, would, I haven't seen any interviews with, with Anderson about his 
filmmaking, but I'd be interested to hear him talk about how he decides project to project. Yeah. What he wants to work on. Um, yeah, because he does really, I mean, he has a really diverse filmography, I guess you could say. Yeah, Magnolia, um, right? Boogie Nights. Yeah. There will be Blood. Um, Didn't he do the, uh, what's the one, um, Adam Sandler one, uh, the kind of first serious movie he did, uh, Punch Drunk Love? Is that him too? Did he do that? that makes I think sense. so, yeah. I don't remember. That makes so much sense if he did. Um, yeah, he's kind of a remarkable. I mean, there will be blood is one of my favorite. I yeah, love that movie is amazing movie. I mean, he's certainly you know a renowned director, and he he wrote and directed this. You know, adapted the the, the book. One thing about this, I, uh, to me, I felt watching it. I don't know if this is intended, but it it almost seems like you know, even though you have this, you know, all these different people that are involved with drugs. And, and, you know, even with, with, uh, with Joaquin Phoenix character, he's, he's sort of high all the time, but he's able to do his job. You know, I mean, he's fun, he's functional, but you have all the drugs and, uh, this corruption and crime and everything, but it's almost as if they're, they're showing that even with all of this, it was kind of a simpler time and not as, you know what I mean? Not as uh, compared to, you know, because there's not like like we said, there's not really a lot of violence in this, even though he he seems like he could be in danger all the time, but nothing much really happens to him, you know? Yeah. Case in point, there's a scene where they're all high off their minds uh, driving down the street and they get pulled over by the cop. And it's a young cop. He gets out and he's, you know, he's got his revolver drawn and is pointing at them. And he's clearly his hands shaking. You know, he's got a flashlight in one hand and the revolver pointing at them. The other hand, he's like, I, I license registration, you know, any, any group of three or more people, you know, exhibiting any of it could be a cult. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like yeah. all the mans and stuff. And, and the cops and, real nervous, you know. Hey, and every uh, time somebody else talks, he kind of jerks around and points the gun at yeah. them. And in a more modern movie, someone would get shot. But right. he takes a look at all of their licenses. They are clearly high. I mean, yeah. they are comically I like the, the one guy. And she's been driving with her headlights off. That's why he pulled yeah. her over, right? She's like, but I can see in the dark. The and one, he just lets uh, him go with the warning. The one... Uh, the guy who's like sort of, and we don't really get an introduction to him. He just shows up every once in a while. But the guy, I think his name's Devin or something like that. That's sort of like his assistant, I guess. But he he says, officer, he says this is because the girl is the the daughter of this rich attorney. He says, daughter, this is a Mercedes, and it's all one color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you the know, cop like hippies up. Living. The cop walks up, and the first thing, she, young woman who's a driver, and she leans out, and her eyes are almost completely, she's so high, her eyes are almost complete slits, and she goes, are you the dark one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, in, you know, and today, Martin, that just get you immediately, uh, like, you would Martin be dragged Short, out of the this car. This the driver, right? And yeah. Martin Short, who is freaking out in the backseat, he's like, oh, no, no, honey, this is a member of the police. <laughs> yeah. He's so, I mean, he just has a very, he's only in it for about five minutes, but he's just fantastic in it. You know, you talk to people like our parents' age, so like a generation, 
you know, the, the generation before us where they say like, I'm not, and I'm not saying this is a good thing condoning this or anything, but like, you know, people would drive, would be driving around, like drinking a beer in their car and the police would pull them over and just be like, Hey, you know, you got to put your beer away or whatever, you know, not or, supposed or to do that. Or I've, you know, I've talked to people who said like, they'd just be walking down the street, smoking a joint and a cop would see him and be like, Hey, you know, you can't do that on the street, but they didn't arrest them or, right. you know, beat them up or anything, you know, serve um, and protect. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. They were simpler times. Not that we would know we were infants. Right. Exactly. But things certainly do feel like they've gotten, I wonder, like, I wonder how much more radical, obviously we see in the media, we just, we see all of the violence and cops shooting people. And I wonder how much of that is just that we are with social media and media in our pocket, how much more aware we are of every horrible thing that happens around the country and around the world. Whereas once upon a time, if you didn't, pick it up and see it in your local paper or on the evening news. You just weren't aware that it was happening. And so we all kind of sailed along blissfully on, on lower alert. I heard an interview with, um, a, I think a professor just a week or so ago who has written a book about the, uh, 1968 democratic convention. Mm. And she was saying how the, how the media covered that. And she said, you know, they had however many hours and hours and hours of coverage and she said they initially only had just very brief coverage of the protests. And she said, um, then it's, it got to be a big enough story that they had no choice. And she said that the, that the police were just beating up everybody. She said, you know, there were people that were just, uh, you know, just walking down the street, just walking by, you know, what was they hadn't weren't protesting, had nothing to do with it. And the cops were beating them. And she said, you know, they brought in the national guard and she said there was a, they showed this on the news, a a woman who was just driving through and there's a National Guardsman with a, uh, like a grenade launcher pointed into the window of her car, her just sitting there and he's pointing. And she said, you know, the the media at that time could could really present whatever they wanted to present and about what was happening, you know, and about, the, and, and, you know, there was this narrative of the police that, uh, the, you know, the protesters were a hundred percent bad and the, and the police were a hundred percent good. And then she said, once they started to kind of show what was really happening, it was evident that that was not true. And she said today it would be so different because just, it would all be on social media. You know, there would all the, you know, if police were beating people, you'd see it immediately and it wouldn't matter what, you know, NBC news or whatever was saying about it. So, yeah, I think we, I mean, I'm sure a lot of this stuff has always happened, but, uh, you know, I do think, think there were some difference back differences back then compared to now, but we just didn't, we just didn't know about it. Whereas now, you know, there's no way to, you know, things like protests, they're going to get out there and, it doesn't matter what the media narrative is. People are going to see what people are recording, you know? Yes, it's true. We've all got a camera in our pocket. Well, I mean, 
I did enjoy this. It just, I wish I'd have known it was pension going into it. It, it. I think this is really quite a remarkable feat considering that, because if you just said, oh, could you make a movie of Gravity's Rainbow? I'd be like, I'd be, I mean, maybe there is. <laughs> I don't know very much. I don't know if what other adaptations there have been of his, of his books. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'm going to do a little oh. looky-loo. Okay, sure. But I, to me, this as weird as this. I don't know. I, I like these. This, this also made me think of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a bit. You yes. don't really have the buddy element of this, too. I mean, you have it a little bit with, with Joaquin Phoenix and, and uh, Josh Brolin. I mean, they're kind of frenemies, I guess, you know. But, uh, you know, it's more Joaquin Phoenix on his own. But it has a lot of some of that same feel but just kind of meanders and um and so i like to, to me this holds up to repeated viewings because i like the the dialogue so much yeah it's it's very um it's very rich material and um and the performances are all good again i the casting was a little distracting to me because it was so there were so many recognizable people in it and intermingled with, with performers that I had not seen before mm -hmm. and all of whom were doing a good job. But, you know, and that's not that Owen Wilson isn't, isn't good on screen, but having Owen Wilson play that character is almost more distracting to me. You know, I keep it and, and having Benicio del Toro play. Yeah. That sort of nautical friend. Yeah. I mean, and he, it's, again, they do a good job. It's not that they don't do a mm -hmm. good job, but I found it distracting in a film full of other characters um, who really handle it. I, I understand that the lead is going to be an A-list actor, right? Mm -hmm. But the other things felt almost deliberately... Um, like wild cards thrown in there. Just, I mean, I understand mm. it's, it's Paul Thomas Anderson as the source materials, Thomas Pynchon, you know, they want to work with this great director. They want to work on this great material. Um, I get it. But I, you know, every time, uh, you know, Wilson came on, it was sort of, Hey man, I was just kind of like, it yeah. just took me out of it somehow. Cause I'm like, well, maybe just in this character actors in those roles instead of big actors would have been, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to like should this movie. I'm just, I, Joaquin Phoenix was interesting casting too. Um, even he didn't really always seem, I mean, that's part of it. Doc is a character that I think isn't sure what's real and what's just in his head. Sure. But, yeah. You know, he is, he, he is, uh, while he's in the fog, a lot of the time, he's also a competent PI. He's smart, you know. You know, I mean, he's really getting somewhere on this case. Mm -hmm. Like, he just, just keeps chasing leads down the rabbit hole. And then just when you think things are going to get ugly, it all, the whole thing kind of evaporates. All of the kind of key players seem to get what they want. And, you know, it's like he's, part of it is he's looking for his ex-girlfriend and she just sort of shows up. She's like, it's cool. Mm -hmm. You know, and so all of the motivation just kind of goes out of it. The The people who want their drugs get their drugs and his ex-girlfriend kind of comes back. And the, yeah. the one, the guy he met that was sort of trapped in the cult and he got, got out of that. And 
you know? <laughs> so yeah, you keep assuming up. she's she's going to die at the end, you know. You keep it. I kept ex- assuming that something, yeah, something heavy was going to happen, and that it would be like Chinatown. I was like, oh, it's Chinatown, yeah. Jack. You gotta can't, you can't get sucked into it, you know? Yeah, because that's sort of how it starts. It's like the heartbreak. It's like Chinatown like, light, you know? Because it's uh, this developer, you know, and they've there's gentrification going on, you yeah. know, and yeah, but it doesn't. In the end, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. So. Right. And the only people that die are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, there's he, there's the one really bad guy, and I, I guess he's just uncommon. I don't know. There's this guy with the swastika on his face that gets brained, yeah. but it's not clear whether he's dead or just unconscious. It's the other guy gets shot, but that he, that other guy's a bad, bad person. So, I think if you I maybe maybe a recommendation for people if they think they might be interested in this is to go into it not you know if you really want it to be this mystery that gets solved you're going to be disappointed it's much more just about the characters I think it's, it's Lebowski it's like Big yeah. Lebowski in that sense it's yes it's not really about the storyline. It's about mm-hmm. following this sort of meandering character and the weird characters mm-hmm. he meets along the way. Yeah. You know, and that movie is more overtly funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're both absurd and they're both, I think this, you know, I didn't, in the Big Lebowski, I didn't sense a whole bunch of what felt like real menace. No, no. Um, and And there was some, I kept expecting something really, to go wrong in this like there were several this is definitely darker and more serious than the than the big lebowski i mean i think this is definitely a comedy but i'd say more dark comedy whereas the big lebowski is just a comedy you know yeah and and doc cares like their Mm -hmm. doc has stakes in this it doesn't keep him from getting high a lot but Mm -hmm. uh and then jeff bridges and the big lebowski doesn't like that's his whole thing hey man you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he doesn't of, really care about he's just kind of drifting thing, around but... yeah he doesn't yeah. really except he's got if he's got a beverage or that rug really tied the room together i mean the whole yeah. part of the comedy is that the stakes throughout are so low and all of these weird zanies all around him care really big about his oh, man come on man <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, yeah it was it was really good i i watched i broke it up over two nights because i got I got tired about halfway through it. Um, the first night it is so long. I, I picked know. it up. The, it's just a it's a pacing thing, you know. And there is a lot of that dense dialogue. Yeah, um, but it's really well shot. I mean, it's a really good looking movie. Oh yeah, it looks great. I mean, like we say, he's a really accomplished director, you know. Yeah. So. So, what do you think? Would you recommend this? I would. I think I'd. Um, I think I would put that asterisk on the end of it. I'd say, you know, this is it's not an academic piece, but it's um, you know, it's weird and it's mood and it's open-ended and that all of that is part of the point. Yeah. yeah if, not everybody you, is going to If like you can this. say that there's a point. It's not yeah, it's not like um, an action movie that has this really, really clear three act structure and drives towards a big yeah. rock ending. It's it's a kind of a, you know, it's a wandering narrative. And yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. I, I really like the movie. Uh, I mean, this is the second time I've seen it. I'll probably watch it again sometime, you know, in a couple of years once I've forgotten some of it. I just really enjoy the dialogue and, and, and the, the characters. And it's just, like I say, a lot of it, I, you know, I laughed out loud. Yeah. So, um, and I, I don't know. That's always been a thing with me with mysteries in particular. I'm always less interested in the resolution of the mysteries than I am the kind of the story along the way, you know? So I don't really have to have everything, you know, wrapped up in a bow to, to still enjoy, you know, a film like that. So, right. Um, have you watched anything else since we talked last? Mm, not of note. Not of note. What about yourself? Last night I watched the, there is a Venture Brothers movie uh, that oh. is on HBO Max now. Yeah. Like a 90 minute movie. Now do you, I know you watched some of, of Venture Brothers. How much of it did you, did you I get think through? I watched it all. Oh, okay. Well then that's one maybe we should, should do at some point if uh, I don't know. I mean, if there's enough to talk about with it, but my understanding is um that this was supposed to be the final thing that they would get to do. So it's a 90 minute movie uh, and just really great. You know, it's all the people who were involved with, with it uh, before, but I, I don't know if, you know, if, if this were, I mean, it was made just for, you yeah. know, it wasn't in theaters or anything. It was made specifically for streaming, but I don't know if it would do really well, if it would, uh, if they would make more, but it's, but it's great. I mean, without spoiling yeah. it uh, here, my a lot of times when I see um, you know a, a twenty-two minute episodic, especially with cartoons, they'll do a feature-length thing, and it it really just feels like three episodes kind of strung together. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas a ninety-minute, eighty or ninety-minute film is going to have a, a kind of a different arc structure to me generally. Mm -hmm. Is this, does this feel like just three, like one really long Yeah, episode? it just feels very much like the show. It's not like they tried to make a, I, I think they, um, they may be, you know, you, so since you watched that very, fairly recently, whereas I watched it, you know, when it started in 2000 or whatever, and, you know, there's a big difference in the, like the animation really improves as it goes along. Um, and the animation is great in this. Um, so they may be, you know, there's maybe a little bit more money in it than there would have been just with the show itself. Uh, but I think that was part of the, the, the reason why, you know, there were really long breaks between seasons um, because I think it was expensive to do. And also it was just time consuming to do, you know, it would be like three or four years between seasons at times. Um, but this seems like they put a good bit of money in it and you have, uh, you know, big, uh, like JK Simmons is a character in it and, oh. and, uh, Clancy Brown and, you know, so, um, but yeah, it just, it's, it's not like, and sometimes I kind of don't like that when they will make a feature length, uh, version of a, of a cartoon show because they feel like they have to go really big with it which this doesn't, it just feels like very much the tone of what the show was. So it wasn't like they, you know, uh, in a good way, it's not like it's different than the, than the series. So yeah, right. it just feels like 90 minutes of, 
of what but you're used to. We get all the yeah. cast back, right? Do yeah. we? Do we get Doctor Girlfriend? Oh yeah, she's a. <laughs> you do a perfect Doctor Girlfriend, but <laughs> yeah, she's a character. She's a big. She's a big, really big character in it. She's in they, a lot. They explain the voice. The voice is like a. From the beginning, you get the sense that the voice is like a joke that whoever first started voicing it got a big laugh on and they're like keep it mm. but then they spend is such a great character they really develop it and later um later it, it much later it comes up at some point it's like oh you used to smoke i didn't she's like, oh well yeah i mean what what do you, what were your thoughts on the voice <laughs> you know it's like it's, it talks like that because she used to smoke a pack a day <laughs> But she's this really beautiful woman, you know, that has yeah. this voice, you know, like a, yeah. like a looks a little bit like Jackie Kennedy, but she's like, well, yeah. listen, I, this is the voice <laughs> choice that the guy made. Yeah. And her and name of course is the Dr. Girlfriend, right? The evil Dr. Girlfriend, yeah. bad monarch has a, his, his love interest is also a doctor, and but her name is Dr. Girlfriend. For people who haven't seen the show before and don't know about it. So I watched it with my brother-in-law last night and he said, uh, about halfway through, he said, he said, you know, I really like, I really love uh, Rick and Morty, but he said, I, I think Venture Brothers is even better than Rick and Morty. You know, it's so, it's such a great send up of, I mean, it's a lot of things mashed together, but it's such a great send up of comic books. And a lot of it is um, like Johnny Quest, you yes, know, it's exactly. a lot of those old like sci-fi. Exactly. Uh, uh, Hanna Barbera stuff, you know, and it, but it's just so well. Rick and so Morty, great. Rick and Morty is a lot of fun because the writing is so good, but it's um, it's very meta deliberately. Like mm -hmm. Rick has these long monologues where he just talks about oh this trope, right? Oh okay, and he's over it. And the show very much episode to episode feels like it picks a thing to um you know kind of dissect and fillet about expectations and then they also deliver on it but but mm -hmm. venture brothers feels like it started as a style piece mm -hmm. like what if we do a show about all these wacky characters very much in the style of johnny quest mm -hmm. and as they went it found it seems like they found real relationships between mm -hmm. these characters that they started to really enjoy developing and exploring. And so while the style stayed the same, it actually got really rich in terms mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, building a, a three-dimensional world in which these crazy characters that very much started off as two-dimensional, like the two goons. Ah, the one of them who talks like Ray. Yeah. <laughs> it's even a joke he's like oh right the one who talks like ray romano <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i can't wait to see that that sounds fun it's great yeah it's it's very very good highly highly recommend it you know and you, there's a new ahsoka i haven't seen yet too but i have you caught yeah, up on I that still, yet i i watched episode three that's the last that i've seen I've, i keep wanting to come back to it but yeah, what I've seen, I've really enjoyed. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna get back to it at some point. Hey, I'm gonna be in town. Um, oh, in two weeks. Yeah, I, mom oh, awesome. asked me to go through some stuff with her at the house. 
Oh, great. So I'll, I'll connect with you offline, but maybe we yeah, can yeah. do an episode in person while I'm down there. That I'll would be down awesome. there for yeah, a few days. Fantastic. Yeah, great, great. That'd be excellent. Cool. So that's probably a good time to talk about what we want to do next. Yeah, well, didn't you had a suggestion that we were going to do after this, and I have already forgotten. So we had talked about Babylon, Babylon. which is what the Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie movie. Um, that is about the like Hollywood, like in the Roaring Twenties. It's about but two, there's a, a, two ugly people. <laughs> you two ugly people, the two of the ugliest people you've ever in seen in Hollywood. Um, uh, which I definitely want to do that, but there's also another one that hit. Um, if you want it, so that's another long movie that's like a three hour one. Oof. There's one that hit uh Hulu this weekend that I'm really interested in. Um, that I'm sure is a lot shorter called No One Will Save You. It's a sci fi, all I know about it is uh, it's a um. It's a girl like in a house or something, and there's a an alien. Um, and I've seen all these raves about it. People are saying like it's really, really excellent. Huh. Um, so maybe if you want to do a little bit of a change up, if that's something that you would be interested in, it's my understanding is like there's almost no dialogue in it. Um, but I think it's just this girl, you know, trying to get away from this alien that has landed and she's in a farmhouse or something. I don't okay. know, but but people people have raved about it. So I thought maybe we want to do a switch it up because that's probably like a ninety minute movie. I'm guessing. Um, it says an hour, but it's on Hulu. Minutes and it's a twenty yeah. twenty three. So this is a brand new. It just hit like Friday, Thursday or Friday. So it's brand brand new. Um, and that's all I know about it. I haven't watched the trailer or anything, but I've just seen lots of people like this is movie. You know, watch this. It's really great. So. Huh, okay. uh, if that's something you'd be interested in, and then maybe do Babylon after that, because that's on, you know, that's on Max also, Babylon is. So, um, okay, so yeah, I'm down. I thought I'm that down would, for either. I thought that instead of doing two like really long ones back to back, you know. Yeah. Um, yes. So, yes. Daddy can't sit for too long. Yeah. Yeah. This one maybe wouldn't have to break up over two. Two nights or whatever. Yeah. So. And plus, we shake it up a little bit. Just go straight into the sci-fi's horror, I assume. Yeah, I, I sci- sci-fi horror. I mean, like I say, it's this girl. I guess she's trapped in a house and she's trying to... um, Trying to... You know, keep from being... Eaten killed by, by this alien or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Cool. Uh, so... For next time, we will. Um, uh, we're not sure yet. We're going to do something, one of those things, maybe. Um, yeah. Chris and Chris Talk Movies at gmail.com is our handle. We're on the socials. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. Blah, 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 blah. Leave a comment. Thank you so much. I don't mean to blah, blah, blah you. No. But do those things. Oh, you hear them on all of the stuff. So that would be yeah. great. I don't know why I say that would be great. Like, it makes any. I mean, until we get up into the like hundreds of thousands of you, and right now there's. Not that many of you, <laughs> but thank yeah. you so much for listening. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely people who like like the show. I know, and it's really yeah. gratifying. Actually, I love it. But I keep acting like we're trying to spin this up into some. We're not. We do this because we enjoy having yeah. these conversations, and we publish it to keep ourselves doing it. Yeah, exactly. And it's working. 
We just do this is like our fourth season. We just started. We've been doing this for. Yeah, I mean, we're over 150 episodes. That's great. Yeah, isn't it crazy? crazy. It started as just a uh, COVID thing, and we're still going. The Wraith. The Wraith, yeah, that was our first one. That was our first (laughs) one. Um, Cool. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, Inherent Vice, two thumbs up, both recommended. Yes. Um, that's that's all for me. Do you have anything else you want to add? I don't think I have anything else. I don't think I watched anything else that was particularly interesting. The uh, uh, like I say, the Venture Brothers movie was great. But if you've not seen the Venture Brothers before, you might not. It's yeah. I don't. I don't think it's really conducive to a first time watch. I think you'd be very confused. Um, um, but yeah, I highly I'm, recommend. I'm eager to check it out. Yeah, it's great. And I think all those seasons are on HBO Max, I believe. I think you can watch all of them, which there's quite a few. Um, yeah. So great, great show. Um, cool. Well, then, uh, faithful listeners and first timers and everybody else, thank you so much for joining us. And Chris and I will talk to you all next week.